Perfect. Well, I uh, obviously was asked to speak by Stuart, and I was given a, a vast array of things I could speak about. Uh, and it took my wife telling me that what I actually wanted to speak about uh, was rethinking our attitude to worship. Uh, I wanted to talk about a lot of things, and I couldn't think of a title for it. And she kindly pointed out that it was actually worship that I wanted to speak about. Uh, when we hear the word worship, we conjure up like we've had this morning, worship band, we conjure up singing, uh, we conjure up, you know, be, being led from the front on a Sunday morning. And I wanted to kind of challenge that a little bit in terms of worship being much more than just that. So Matthew 4, verses 21 to 24. So this is Jesus talking to the woman at the well. And it says, Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountainside nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit and in the truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the fathers seek. God is the spirit and his wor worshippers must, must worship in the spirit and the truth. So this indicates to us that Worship is not just for, for Sunday mornings, not just for a single location, because it talks about how uh, it's not just in Jerusalem or on the mountain. It's for everything. And it talks about how it's not necessarily a, a physical thing. It is a spiritual thing. So worship as a spiritual thing. So I want to dig down right into the, the kind of foundations and come back to this a bit later. But let's start with what is worship? If we look it up in the dictionary, the Oxford Engl English Dictionary, uh, gives it as oh, uh, gives it as the noun is the feeling or expression of reverence or adoration for God, and the verb, so the doing word, as I was taught in school, uh, is show reverence and adoration for God or for a deity. However, the Bible actually uses a different word. It uses Greek word, uh, and you'll forgive my pronunciation. I didn't study Greek. Uh, Prusekonio. That's right. Yeah. There we go. Uh, <laughs> which is to fall down before or bow down before God. It links as a reaction to awe, respect, and reverence. So when it talks about worship, it is talking about actually falling down, have a, having a physical and a spiritual reaction to God it, as a sign of his awe and our respect for his reverence. The whole point of worship, as the Bible describes, and as that verse describes, is it is internal Spiritual. Sometimes that manifests as us speaking in tongues out loud or us singing out loud, and, and that is, that's good and proper and right for us to do. But it's also intensely personal and individual. It's you kind of putting God first in your life. It's you reacting. It's your reaction to God's power uh, and his place in your life. So that's what worship is. That's where it's described in the Bible. But kind of... Why do we worship? It, it's mentioned 188 times in the Bible, so it must be very important. Uh, we worship in reaction, as I say, to God's power and, and to the love that he's shown us. Romans 12, verses 1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable. This is your spiritual service of worship. Again, this theme of spiritual, it's not just a physical act. It's more than that. It goes through everything. I remember when I was very young, 
listening to a preacher telling me that you should be worshipping all the time, even when you're doing the washing up. And, and as a small kid, not enjoying the washing up very much, I was thinking, how, how do you do this? Like, it, no, the washing up is bad and, and worship is good. and they, they're, they're two, two separate things. But no, the act of worship is spiritual. It's putting God first in your life. And as this says here, this is giving your entire bodies as a living sacrifice. And when it uses the word bodies here, it talks about them in a spiritual sense as well. All of your essence, all of your physical, all of your spiritual worship to God in reaction to his power. I mean, this means making the active choice every day to put God as the priority. If we're worshipping God truly, if we're, if we're truly in an act of worship with God, he always comes first. He is the first thought we have and the center from which everything else in our lives stems. I quite often don't necessarily do that. And it comes to the point of I have to be reminded sometimes about how awesome God is and how I should be bowing down before him. And for that reason, I wanted to kind of link in how awesome God is and the reaction to him. So I have this picture here. Can anyone tell me where this is or what this is? No geographers among you. It's Victoria Falls. This is the world's biggest waterfall by volume of water. It stands at 108 meters high, 1.7 kilometers wide. And every day, 600, not every day, every minute of every day, 625 million liters of water pours over the edge of it. To put that in scale for you, those of you that are, you know, imperial maybe, that's 1,666 swimming pools, like St. John's, go over the edge of that every single minute of every day, sometimes more. And for those that don't work in, you know, the standard swimming pool length, that is 130,000 bathtubs per second. Go over that, go over that falls. When you think of that, it's, it's mind-blowing. That, that, that power, the fact that God created that in seconds. Like whether you, you choose to interpret the Bible literally in six days or in six periods of time, doesn't matter. He created that like that. Anyone know where this is? Everest, yeah. Everest, this is the tallest mountain in the world. Stands at 8,000... Oh, let me check my things there. 8,848 meters tall. It is over 10 times as tall as the tallest buildings we humans have ever created. Okay? If you were to drop a penny from the top of Everest, imagine there's a hole going the right way down to sea level. If you were to drop a penny off the top of Everest, it would take over five minutes for it to hit the floor. Like, anyone wants to challenge my maths? I worked out the terminal velocity of pennies. I adjusted for the, the air density. No, this is offline. Okay, I googled it. <laughs> but five minutes for it to drop the floor. And God, again, created just like this. This guy here, standing in the corner, looking up at this, imagine what he is feeling right now. Like, he is standing there in awe of that mountain. The, the, the reverence, if, if you were there now, if, we, if I could teleport us there, what would our initial instinctive reaction be? It would be, wow. It would be to fall down in worship of God because we know he created that. And just for scale... What's this? This is, yeah, see, I haven't got that one. This is the sun. 
biggest mass in our universe, makes up something like 98% of our, our, our solar system. Uh, as it stands, how many Earths, so places where Victoria Falls are and Everest are, how many Earths do you think fit in that sun? One million Earths, just over one million Earths, fit in that sun. Okay, to give you some idea of scale, if I was holding a basketball in my one hand, a top of a pinhead would be the size of the Earth in comparison. Does that just not blow your mind? And the God that did all this, that created all this, also spent time creating each one of us. It's, it, it's mind-blowing. Each one of you has finger fingerprints that are unique to you. Each one of you has over 60,000 miles of blood vessels that are unique to you. If stretched out end-to-end, -end, go twice around the earth. Okay? God didn't copy and paste one of us. If I was given the chance to build, or given the task of building 10,000 humans, I think for the first thousand I could get variety. I think at a certain stage, they would start getting quite similar to one another, and by my 10,000, I would literally just be control C, control V, copy and paste. And God didn't do that once. Not one of you is the same as anything else. Our reaction is surely has to be, wow. You know, and, and our, our reaction has to be one of reverence uh, and one of praise and one of worship that affects us every, every single day. You know, try as I might, if I hold my hand out and concentrate really, really hard, I cannot make anything appear in my hand. I just don't have the power to make anything. I mean, sure, we can work with stuff we already have, but... I cannot make something out of nothing. And yet in six days, God created everything. Everything. And on such a scale, it's unbelievable. Our reaction has to be one of praise and worship, bowing down before our God in that. I mean, in Job, when God actually speaks to Job, he lays it out clearly for us. He asks, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? On who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the heavenly beings shouted for joy, who was it that... Oh, sorry, no, I've missed a verse there. Apologies. Or, or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb? When I made the clouds its garments... In the thick darkness, it's swaddling bands and prescribed bounds for it and set bars and doors and, and said, Thus far shall you come and no farther, and here shall your proud waves be stopped. It goes on and on with God talking about everything that he has done. On such a scale, it is mind-blowing. And our only choice is to worship him. And in worshiping him, it elevates us into the presence of God. Hebrews 12 uh, sorry, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 28 says, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Every single part of our life should have God as a priority, and we should be remembering that He is powerful, that He has done all of this, that we should be in awe of Him. So what stops us from kind of 
having the right attitude to worship? What, what stops us from worshipping as Jesus intended? What stops us coming to God and bowing down before him permanently? Like, what stops us from, from worshipping when we're washing up? And with this, I'm going to use some pictures uh, that were mainly taken by me, so you'll forgive the photo- photography, but I want him to illustrate several points. So this is a picture. It's not a very good picture, as I said, uh, of me going up Ben Nevis, which is, as we all know, the tallest mountain in the UK. And here I am looking back at the fantastic view. So you've got Fort William in the background with the, the river. But everyone is not looking at the view. Everyone's so focused on getting to the top. Everyone's so focused on reaching the top. They're not taking time to admire the view. They're not taking time to worship. And I think sometimes we can become obsessed with the religion of being a Christian. We become obsessed with ticking boxes in terms of reading my Bible a certain amount a day, doing, fitting into a routine in what we think should be a Christian, trying to get to the top of the mountain that we don't actually offer God worship in our lives. Matthew 15 verse 8 says, Jesus said to, to this people, honor me with your lips, but with your heart, but, sorry, they honor me with your hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship. In other words, if we're not actually worshiping God with our hearts, if it's not an, an entire body, if it's not a spiritual act of worship, as well as the physical act of worship, then it means nothing. It's vain. It means nothing to God. And it's so much like these people. They want to get to the top of the mountain because they know something good is there. And they're not enjoying the journey. They're not taking time to worship God as they go. And this one here, this is the top of uh, Scarfell Pike, which is the top of the tallest mountain in the UK. Not in the UK, in England. And my illustration for this is, you've reached the top, but there's clouds in the way. You can't see any of the views. And this, for me, is illustrating when we reach somewhere and life gets in the way. We decide that, yeah, God was the priority, yeah, I'm a Christian, but hang on, I've got work on Monday, and that, that's, that's quite important, and I've got friends, and yeah, I want to worship God, but... And life can so easily get in the way. It can obscure our view of God. Like, we get, we get tunnel vision, and we know up here somewhere that God is awesome and that we should worship him. But it's not here. It's not spiritual. It's not controlling our day-to-day. Other things get in the way. And finally, sometimes we just put God in a box. Sometimes we decide that you know, we worship on a Sunday, the reason the band comes up and they sing, and that, that's my worship there, and then put God back in the box, don't need to worship him anymore, put him on the shelf, bring him back out next Sunday. And we can sometimes really compartmentalize our, our lives and our worship for God. Sometimes we can spiritually worship God on a, on, a, on a Sunday and then have no connection, no spiritual connection with him the rest of the week. And that, again, is not right. These things all stop us. As it says in Matthew, as I already said, if you honor them with your lips, but not with your heart, not with your spirit, then you're not worshiping God at all. So how do we change our attitude? How do we make sure we have the right attitude every single day, even when we're doing the washing up? 
we first have to make the active choice to put God first in our lives. It doesn't happen accidentally that you put God first, that you worship. Okay? Worship can be part of your life, but you have to make the active choice to put God first in everything that you do. Secondly, take time every day to marvel at his creation and readjust. I am very guilty of being blown away when I go on a walk somewhere and seeing something and then forgetting about it and not thinking about it and when I'm doing everything else, not taking time to, to put God in the right perspective. I think we lose perspective of God when we just go about our day to day. And it's essential that we take time every day to, to marvel at his, at his creation. And finally, spend time daily in prayer with God. Prayer is essential as a Christian. We, we know that. We hear about that practically every week. And, it, and the same goes for this. If you want to worship God, if you want him to be first in your life, how do you show someone you love or someone that you're in awe with that uh, you love them and that you want to spend time with them? You, you do it by spending time with them. You do it by talking to them. I tell my wife regularly that I love her, and that's how she knows that she is, she is valued. And the same should go for, for God. We want to worship God, then we've got to tell him daily. We've got to stand there. And I'm, I'm not talking about just generic presence. Uh, taking time in God's presence. Taking time actually talking to him. Actually giving him the glory. These are all things we need to do if we're going to change our attitude to worship. Worship is not just for a Sunday. Worship is not just singing out loud. And, and please don't misunderstand me when I say sing out loud. That's great and it's perfect and it leads us into a place of worship. But worship should affect every part of what you do. It's spiritual. It's internal. It's personal. Outward expressions of, of, of worship are, are good. The singing, talking in tongues, using those things. But worship affects everything we do. Choosing to put God first is key to worship. So I want to leave you with a challenge today in terms of how we can actively do this. Because overwhelmingly we're saying, uh, take time to, to do this, pray, life gets in the way so quickly in everything that we do. It really does. So what I have found helpful, and I don't know whether it will work for you, it might not, but this is what I found helpful. I've changed my screensaver on my phone to an image that inspires awe in me from one of my walks. I would challenge you all, if you have a phone, if you have a tablet, if you have something, put an image on there that inspires awe. So when you open up your, your tablet, look at it. If you don't have a tablet, if you're, you're technologi technologically challenged, sorry, get a photo that inspires awe in you so that anytime you open your wallet, you have it there. Because I guarantee you, you cannot see where are we? You cannot see these things and not have a, a, an attitude of worship like it says in the Bible. You cannot see these things and not be struck down in awe. If we go to these places now, we would all be struck down in awe. Have those photos. Have something tangible with you that you can have and remind you of God's awe. And if it suddenly stops working for one reason or another, change that image. Update that image. Every time you see something that has that reaction in you, that spiritually fills you with, with awe and reverence, have that picture. Carry that picture with you so you know 
daily, I need to worship God. And I'm going to do it by putting him first because he did all this for me. Thank you.